You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. I want you to know there are a lot of people behind the scenes that make the Blaze TV network run. One of those individuals is Rob Borowski. He comes up with some fun graphics during the Pat Gray Unleashed program. He deals with, well, my requests for images and graphics to make Pat's show a better experience on Blaze TV. Well, he and I sat down. We talked about life with lots of cats, <laughs> combining soccer and beer and the one country he would like to purchase. I sat down with Blaze TV's Rob Borowski on At The Mic. Rob is uh, the behind-the-scenes guy, and we'll get into exactly what you do with uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, which is aired on the Blaze Radio and Television Networks. But first of all, out of the gate, how you doing? Oh, man, so good. Good? It's early morning. It's early morning. Well, not too early morning. It's that in-between early morning. <laughs> it's mid-morning where we're at. How about you? It's eating time. It's eating that, time. That's what it is. It's always eating time. <laughs> I, in fact, I, I, there isn't an hour that goes by where I'm not eating something. That's uh, true. Whether it's basic force cereal or these uh, these crackers that I get, uh, these rice crackers. And, you know, sometimes I, I might uh, live on the edge and have a granola bar. Ooh, edgy. That's right. So you were born here in suburban Dallas, Fort Worth. Correct? Yeah, right in the uh, the right in the heart of the Metroplex in the city known as Euless, aka Useless. <laughs> Euless, all right. Uh, it, it's literally just a skid mark on the south side of DFW Airport. <laughs> How long were you there? From birth till third grade. Third grade. And then you moved to another suburb in Dallas, correct? Yeah, to another little skid mark, otherwise known as Hearst. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so how? So you've just been all over the metro area, effectively. Yes. Actually, I, ha- I was born right in the middle, uh, grew- did most of my growing up in Grapevine, mm-hmm. moved to Arlington and Fort Worth right out of high school and in college. Then as I got older, I have progressed back east <laughs> and ended up in Plano for a few years. And now I'm all the way out there in the country on the far side of East Dallas in Forney. Okay. So effectively, if someone were moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and they weren't sure which part of the Metroplex they should live in, they can ask you because you have a sample for everywhere. Yes, I have, I have been everywhere. <laughs> awesome. I have been everywhere. Okay, and uh, when you grew up, you have uh, one younger sister, correct? Yeah. How yeah. was life growing up with uh, a sibling? Because <laughs> I'm an only child, so I don't know what that's like. Um, I would have loved to have like, a brother to grow up with. But you had a sister. If I had a brother, I think it probably would have been an easier time. Uh, a younger sister. Uh, I mean, we're we're five years apart, so you, obviously you can't do like physical activities. Okay. Because you're already bigger and stronger, faster. Yeah. Uh, sorry, ladies, that it's the that, truth. That's a thing. Sorry, that's I, a thing. I don't. I don't mean to be un PC, but it's true. So, if you ever played basketball with her growing up, did you give her like a head start or no? No. Like, One, I didn't really play basketball. Okay. Okay. Well, I was gonna say maybe a game of horse. Maybe you started with uh, the H. No. no. Okay. No. All right. So did, there was no. You you had to earn what you got. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's the way I raise my kids. There, there was no affirmative action, <laughs> no Title IX, none of that. Nice. So are you guys closer now as adults or? Uh, no, nah, not really. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, Very good. We've never, my family is not one of those really tight-knit, ooh, I love you, love you type families uh-huh. where, you know, where 
kind of the arm's length. I love you, but don't don't be too close to me. Okay, type. Uh, I got gotcha. you. You're not the huggable type, are you? No, not always. Okay, so you went to school at the Harvard of the Highway. Is that right? <laughs> Harvard on the Highway. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Tarrant County College, Northeast Campus in yep. Hearst, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise known as uh, the Harvard on the Highway. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, come on, community college. You're not one. You're really paying for what you get. <laughs> okay. Two. You're really saving a whole lot of money, <laughs> uh-huh. especially when you're somebody like me and you're going into college just to fill time because mm-hmm. you have no idea what you want to major in. Mm-hmm. Because the things that interest you the most are the things that aren't going to make you money. So, uh, you know, uh, so true. Uh, math and science, I sucked at. Oh, yeah. Me too. Everything that I excelled at in school was creative. It was either music or art or some sort of ex- you know, writing, some sort of expressionism. That's not going to make you money. So why am I going to waste a lot of it to go into debt, acquiring student loans and everything to go to a university right. where I would, would most likely end up with a degree I can't use? Right. And I think you and I have had a conversation before where your wife majored in, uh, what was it? Um, oh, I mean, she did a, a few things, but she did go to like uh, mortuary school. What now? Yeah, she went to mortuary school. She learned all about uh, the embalming process, uh, what really happens when you get cremated. Wow. Uh, the things that go into it, the, how very little of the person that you love uh-huh. is in those ashes. Oh, my goodness. How teeth don't gr- how teeth don't burn. Teeth don't burn. So you might get like a tooth fragment. Oh, my goodness. And then you never know who is really in that little canister that you get. Oh, no. This but, is dreadful. But that didn't work out so well for her. She got to a certain point. And, so, hold on. You have to go to school for that? I thought you were yeah. just like going to learn like an internship at a uh, funeral home or something. No, the, you go to a school. You the, you learn. Wow. It is an, it, it's not only a business. Yeah. It is an art. It's an art? Yes. Man. Uh, I did not know this ahead of time, but apparently there is a very specific way you should go about embalming and uh, preserving the body, especially if you plan on having an open casket funeral. Uh-huh. So you don't mess it up and make them look bloated. Right. Or a different color than what they should be. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's... Uh... So when her mother passed away and she went to her mother's funeral, she was able to point out all of the things that were wrong with the body. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she went to the back and gave the funeral home suggestions on uh, how to I, handle it. She wanted to give them suggestions after, <laughs> after. she saw, but it wouldn't, necess- wouldn't necessarily be suggestions <laughs> or, or helpful criticism. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So what does she do now then if she's not... Uh, Taking care of dead people. <laughs> Taking care of dead people. She is a uh, radio news anchor okay. for stations across the country. Oh, that's cool. In several different markets from uh, stations in Idaho, Washington, Florida. Uh, she picked up one in, I believe, Minnesota. Wow. And these are stations that she can do that job for from your house then? Remotely, yep. Nice. She works from home. She has a She has a wonderful Beautiful and functional home studio. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. That was put together by yours truly. I was about to say, it sounds like you're very proud of that. Yes. So yeah, you well, built this thing in your house? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, when we bought our house, got very fortunate, very lucky that the family that owned it before, they had a theater room 
in the second floor that was had extra insulation on the walls mm. and was you know a little bit bigger so it the the air was de- it was deader sure so you can get a better quality sound without having to do bunch of soundproofing panels and modeling and, and exactly. all that stuff. Yeah. So I was able to take that basic room oh, great. and just bring equipment in. And of course, working in the business that we do, I had to have it right because I tried it with just your, you know, USB microphone that plugs directly <laughs> in. Ah, oh, there's too much background noise. I hear the air conditioning going off in the ceiling. Yeah. It just bothers me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I went and bought a Allen and Heath Z14 uh, 14 channel mixer. I bought a DBX a voice processor and noise gate yeah. to kill the background noise. Mm-hmm. Bought expensive microphones, two computer workstations. Wow, and you guys both use that professionally, that room. Yes. That's really great. I used to work from home. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't get to do that now. Because you work with other shows as well. And what he does here, he didn't design the studio because if he if he had have, you probably would have made some changes. And what he does in the other room, he is uh, TV's Rob down the hall he comes up with funny uh, graphics, uh, funny... Um, lower thirds. Lower thirds, thank you, at the bottom of the screen. So he is the one who is making the smart aleck comments yes. with his keyboard when an image goes on the screen on Blaze TV during the Pat Gray Unleashed program. For instance, uh, you were talking about Tony Romo signing a new contract with CBS Correct. for $17 million a year. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help myself. I'm not a big Tony Romo fan. Uh Uh-oh. So you see an image of Tony Romo, (laughs) and then down below you see Tony Romo couldn't win games, gets $17 million to talk on TV. Okay. When you see things like that, Uh smart-alecky, yeah, yeah, that's 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 me. That's That's my... I don't have a voice on the show, Uh probably for the best, (laughs) but that's my voice. (laughs) Right. And uh, while we're uh, thinking about it, give us... like You're on Twitter... Give us what's your Twitter handle? At TV's Rob Borowski. At TV's Rob Borowski. B-R-A. Yeah, we're close. What? Try again. B-R-O. Uh, no. You say it. Okay. It, it's like sp- uh, spelling Malinac, except it's B as in boy, uh-huh. A-R-O-W-S-K-I. Yeah. B-R-O. Okay, B-R-B-A-R. My brain is doing something different than my mouth. I apologize. Well, you, you know, you and everybody else, mm-hmm. because, let's see, I, growing up, I've had... Bar Whiskey, Barkowski, Brzezowski, mm, mm. Brzezowski. Uh, <laughs> I've had B, not going to try ski. Right. Steve Barkowski was a great uh, Falcons quarterback, by uh, the way. I wouldn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not from Atlanta. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of you. And uh, just smile for the camera because this is what we will use when we send this out. Very good. I took a picture of you. That's what we do here during the podcast. Oh, interactive. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before you know it, you'll have cameras. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what, what people see enough of you. So yeah, I spend like, my life no. running from cameras. So. <laughs> Did you know at an early age that this is what you wanted to do for a living, or did this just kind of happen to you, or take us down that road? Uh, actually, the, the getting into radio and television was something I wanted to do when I was a kid, mainly radio, uh, mainly because... You know, you, you would hear the jocks, and they would always sound like they're having such a great time. You could always interact with them by calling into the request lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you, you have sports talk programming where it's just, it seems like it's three or four guys in a room just t- hanging out <laughs> with your buddies. Right. Talking about whatever you want to talk about. And that always interested me. Mm-hmm. So, in high school, I had a, the opportunity to uh, take an internship at a local radio station here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. 
and they had me on their production team helping out with commercial production, imaging production, and learned about that side of the business and really enjoyed it mm -hmm. and said, you know what, I, I really like it. And before I knew it, before I had even graduated high school, I had had my first job in radio working at ESPN. That's great. You're more of an audiophile than a video guy, right? Yeah. I mean, mainly because my internship was at the radio station. I figured I don't like cameras. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in front of them. I don't mind being behind them, but I don't want to be in front of them. So I figured radio because it's theater of the mind. Yeah. They kind of pulled a switcheroo on a bunch of us here because we all got into radio, but yet we ended up uh, working with TV. Well, <laughs> and what's funny is that I actually, while working here, I pushed to work on the TV side because I wanted, I wanted to learn it. I said, you know what? I should really beef up my skill set and learn more. Mm -hmm. So, hey, the Blaze, they have, they have TV. I should, you know, get my foot in the door there on the radio side and see about getting in on the TV side as well. Yeah. Well, and here you are. Yeah, exactly. And now, oh. you know, if you put me in that radio studio and said, hey, do this, I would probably be lost. There's other jobs that you have held. You, <laughs> so many. You were a, uh, a retail department manager. You want to tell us about that? I was a department manager in the men's clothing and furnishings department at Nordstrom. Okay. All right. So did you have to dress up every day and be oh, man. pretty three, and stuff? Three-piece suit every day. Had to be, you know. Oh, my I, goodness. I couldn't let the beard get scraggly. Couldn't oh, let the hair grow. No, it had, everything had to be nice and neat all the time. And, I mean, I enjoyed it. I actually made more money doing that than I am now. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I am oh, so no. ashamed to say that. Oh, no. Okay. But I don't have to worry about working mall hours. I don't yeah. have to worry about working holidays in terms of just the holiday rush at the end of the year. How are the customers to deal with at Nordstrom's? Actually, a lot of them, for the most part, they're really cool because when you go into a store like that, you're really looking to create a relationship mm -hmm. with somebody who will be able to set you up with the latest fashion, the latest the latest looks, but at the same time, you know, not push you into stuff that you don't need or you don't like. Mm -hmm. And so whenever when I worked there for about 4 years, I had a lot of customers that were really loyal, dropped a lot of money, a <laughs> lot. I mean, a lot of money, and of course with it being a commission gig, you want those people who are going to sure. spend a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Re return customers, huh? Well, of course, when one shirt costs you 175 bucks, you sell them, <laughs> sell them a week's worth of that, and you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. You have a history of being a photographer. I want to hear about that. It sounds like, just on the surface, you are intrigued equally by audio and video. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong at all. So, what, what did that. you photograph? What is this all about? Uh, took photography classes in college. Uh, ex really excelled in them just because of composition, lighting, and things like that. And I enjoyed it because it let me stretch stretch my creative legs. So afterwards, I just became an amateur photographer. Got published in a couple of uh, oh, very cool in an online magazine, and then a uh, a, a, a calendar. Of like cityscapes and historical nice. landmarks, took a couple of my photos and put them in a calendar a few oh, cool. years ago. Oh, that's really cool. And even worked at uh, you know one of those plug and play portrait studios for a little while, to just earn some extra money. Okay. And uh, had a lot of fun with that, although the hours were long during the holidays because everybody's got to get pictures, you know, Santa Claus pictures or oh, boy. Easter pictures. You know, you got to deal with the screaming kids and you got to deal with the. Four generations of a family that, you know, 
the great grandparents can't really move, so you have to just try to get everything done quickly oh, and no. disperse. But I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, always had a camera with me for the longest time. Uh, still have a decent camera at home. I just don't use it nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, it used to be you would have to make sure you had a camera with you because you never know when you're going to see something. It'd be a great shot. But at the same now time, got, now with cell phones. Now you got a phone, right? Yeah, but at the same time, there. Honestly, as far as cell phone cameras have come, you cannot beat the SLR-style cameras. Okay. The ones that you see in the studio, mm-hmm. uh, you know, during video, but at the same time, the one that everybody people use with the the lens that you set, you manually set the focus, right. you manually set the, the Still distance, better quality. depth of field, because you can, you can customize and create the shot so much better. Oh, yeah, I see. And you can create it much more on the fly if you know what you're doing. So if someone out there listening wants to be an amateur photographer and get into that hobby, what was the camera you would recommend for them starting out? If you want a good starter camera, just go with a Canon Rebel. Canon Rebel. Canon okay. Rebel or a Nikon D3500 or whatever. They're, just get their basic starter kit. Amazingly enough, you can go to like stores like Best Buy and get the bottom of the line SLR camera with two lenses and a whole kit for four or five hundred bucks. Okay, very totally good. worth it. Yeah, cool. I know that you and Nikki, your wife, yes, you guys would love to have children. Unfortunately, that's just not been in the cards for you. I don't know how much you want to talk about what's been going on with that and and the fight that you guys have uh you know it's really interesting there's that's been something that her and i have been discussing a lot like how far do we want to go in terms of talking about it because uh, for her she feels a great deal of shame and i don't blame her i mean uh when you find out that you can't when you're trying to have kids and you're struggling to have kids and then you start seeking medical advice about okay we're trying to have a kid but we're not succeeding what's going on here then you start testing the individual parties involved. Mm-hmm. When the test results come back and you're the issue, mm. it, it's really taking a, a toll on her. But she, you know she's working her way through it, and yeah. and at the same time, I mean, it affects me just as much. Although I'm not the issue, uh, it's still still really tough. Uh, we even tried uh, IVF. Yeah, which really costly, right? Oh God! And 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 you have oh. to pay it whether it works or not. Yeah, exactly. Uh. And you and you never know what you're going to get, because especially there, there's two ways of going through IVF. You can go with like a frozen donor, where the eggs and everything have been sitting there for God knows how long, mm. or you can go with a live fresh donor, where you actually get paired up with a a person sure. who will donate their eggs to you. Okay. But you never know what you're going to get from that, and that this is like the that, although this one may not work, the live donor is actually riskier because you don't know the quality of the eggs that you're going to get. I see. And we went, and it's also more expensive. We went that route because the doc, the fertility doctor said fresh is better. You have a greater chance of it working right off the bat. Yeah. So we get matched up with a donor. We're, we're thinking everything's going good, everything's fine. We get to the point where, okay, it's time to extract and fertilize and do all this and do the implantation, thinking everything's good. Oh, no. Um, apparently, the donor had a bad batch of eggs. Oh, no. So what they, what they thought would be a chance for us to try two to three times turned into this is the one shot and it's not even a full shot. It's you, we're stretching here to see, to make sure to see if this works. 
And when it didn't, it's just oh, soul crushing. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean because you spend, let's see, you spend about two weeks afterwards on like basic bed rest, making sure that everything kind of settles in, or oh, you're wow. or just or you have to take it take it easy. So for two weeks, you're basically being lazy, uh-huh. and then if it takes, hey, all right, great, you're pregnant. If it doesn't. Oh, sorry. Still have to pay the bill on time. Oh, <laughs> pay the bill on time. Shoot, they make you prepay that stuff. Oh boy. I mean, and we're talking. You had to. We had to pay for the donor's doctor visits. We had to pay for our doctor's visits. We had to pay for their medication. We had to pay for my wife's medication. We had to pay for her ch- the, the donor to travel in and put her up in a hotel to go see the doctor. Pay for the extraction. All in all, thirty forty grand. Oh. Um, so yeah, I have no idea. You know, you're when you're doing that, you're almost, and you're in a position like like us, like most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're basically mortgaging your future, hoping for that one shot to work. Ugh. And when it doesn't, you're thinking, okay, what now? <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Have you guys considered adoption at any point along the way? And and how much would that cost? Because uh, I just know it's not cheap. But I wonder what it's compared to. Uh, the the adoption that we were looking through, uh, there's here in Texas, there's a couple ways you could go about it. You can sign up through the state and become like a foster to adopt. So you can go deal with foster care kids. And then in the off chance that the parents can't get them back, hey, you could potentially adopt them. That's risky because if you fall in love with a kid. Exactly. And, and, I've, had, and I've had one of my best friends had two of the most gorgeous little girls uh, placed with him when he was a foster parent. And he had had them for almost two years. And eventually the mother finally got them back. The kids didn't want to go. And it was hard watching them go. Ugh. You know, hard for my friend, hard for the kids. And you're giving them back to a parent who, you know, spent just the last year in jail. I was going to say, there's a reason drugs. why those kids ended up with exactly. you in the and, first place. Yeah, and, and, you know, when he first got them, one of them was, like, addicted to something, and it was malnourished, and he had to nurse these kids back to health, and before, you know, they come, they come to you looking like starving Ethiopian children. Right. Then they leave looking like, hey, happy, plump American children. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, that's because of what you did, and the parent's going to go back and immediately go and wreck that because what's the chance they're going to... Yeah, yeah, what's the chances that that, that, that parent is going to right have back. trouble again? And then those poor girls will end up in some other random home exactly. only to get attached. And not only hurts the prospective parents, but what kind of damage is it doing to these poor kids? Exactly, and especially when they're old enough to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different if it's a you know an infant, but when you start getting to the toddler to the three, four, five, six-year-old range... Man, that kid's going to know that, and you're going to be paying for therapy later on. Then if you go through, like, say, a private adoption agency, it might be less expensive in the long run than the IVF and everything. But at the same time, you have to be willing to open up your life, open up everything about you to this uh, adoption agency. We're talking your financials, your home. They, I mean, they check how you keep your home. They check how they, they check your spending habits. They check your bank accounts and see what you know what your money fluctuates at. Is that thinking, a yeah? Is that a process you guys would even consider? It's one that we've thought about, but it's one of those things where when we have the money to do it, because you got to you know got to 
build back up towards something like that. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, between now and whatever the next step in the the process happens to be, uh, we we are more than happy to keep practicing. So. <laughs> Because you, ne- you never know. Uh, I mean, yeah. Although the fertility doctor said that the chances of it happening naturally, it's pretty much negligible. But mm. they said that, hey, there's always that chance. So, hey, I'm more than happy to keep practicing. I don't mind. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, I-, I will take it for the team. Understood. Tell me about this adult beer league indoor soccer that you participated in. Because it sounds like because I can't stand soccer, but it almost sounds like this would uh, this would kind of be my cup of tea. Uh, see, although you say that soccer is a communist sport, you got you know you guys haven't taken the time to learn the finer aspects right. of the game. I've obviously never played it the right way. You know, adult indoor. Uh-huh. Where it's air conditioned. I have played indoor soccer before, okay. um, like at a YMCA or something like okay. that. And Close I enough. absolutely love banking it off the wall and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. It really adds a fun element to it for sure. Exactly. Uh, and now you think as an adult, hey, I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to get a workout in, and I want to, I want to ha- be competitive, but at the same time, I don't want to play. You know, young 20-something-year-olds that are out there thinking that they still have something to prove from their glory days in high school or whatever. <laughs> you know, you get a group of friends together and you sign up and it, there's a few arenas around here that offer adult beer league. Uh-huh. It's, it's non-competitive from the standpoint that they don't keep score. Okay. But if you go out there on the field and you score a couple of goals, hey, you get a coupon for a free beer. All right. So, okay, so you're not running around... Um you know, drinking in between uh, halves or what have you, anything like that. Like, I, I was thinking what? when I read this. Oh, oh, I mean, no, you're not drinking right. before, during. Because here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, since you can't use your hands in soccer anyway, which is just stupid, what if you guys get these big mugs filled to the top with beer, okay? So you got <laughs> they're clutching them in two hands, and all you right. go and play the game, all right? And when the game is over, everybody on each team pours their beer into a pitcher, right? And then the other team does, and you get an extra goal if your team has managed to hang on to the most beer. What do you think? Uh, that wouldn't work. No, well, At least not with my team, <laughs> with the group of people that I play with, because uh-huh. we would never have any beer to pour into, the, into said pitcher. <laughs> gotcha. Not because of spillage, but because of drinkage. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the other thing. That, yeah, that's the incentive. You get to drink it at the end, you know, somehow. I don't know. We would walk in, and as we're changing into it, you know, putting on our shoes and our shin guards and, and everything, we would walk to the bar and say, hey, you know, give me a Bud Light, give me a, you know, whatever, and then drink that. <laughs> then we go out and play. That sounds fun. G- get off the field 45 minutes later. Uh-huh. Hey, I sweated out the beer that I, ju- that I, I say, had beforehand. Anyone so. ever puke during the games? No, we're, no, no, no. <laughs> See, uh, we're not you're professionals. amateurs. Yeah, yeah, you're professionals. Gotcha. <laughs> we gotcha. are professional uh, beer-drinking soccer t- players. Tell me yeah. about these three cats with the most unusual and awesome <laughs> names. Tell me about them. All right. Um, you ever marry, you, you ever dated a woman that has a weird... Um, affection for things that uh, you don't understand mm. such as like anime <laughs> no okay. oh no oh no okay so it's gonna get rough <laughs> <laughs> so we have my wife and i have three cats mm-hmm. each of them are named after a character from different animes ah uh, we have hatsune miku who <laughs> is a, apparently a vocaloid they make her sing you should you should find a clip of her and play it oh, and during oh, the episode, no. I'm telling you, oh. uh, because she sounds like a human, but it's a computer. Uh, then you have, then huh. we have, and she's a Bengal. 
Okay. Explain to me an African cat with a Japanese name. <laughs> we have a Japanese bobtail cat, which these are... You ever go to a Japanese restaurant or even a lot of Chinese restaurants and they have this little statue of the cat, the fat cat with the paw up and it looks like it's going yeah, like that? Weird stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what that type of cat is. Okay. So everybody's seen one. You just didn't notice. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. His name is uh, Sakata Gintoki, <laughs> which uh, basically means silver balls. <laughs> And and let's just be clear, when when you're calling them around the house or what have you... We're not calling them by their full yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, that would be... Yeah. Uh, we also have a derpy Siamese mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Ryoga, uh, which we just call Yo-Yo, because mm-hmm. he seems to respond to it. Uh, the Sakata Gin Tokyo is just Gin, and then we, and, okay. and then we have Mimi, the Bengal. Yeah. So, Jin, Mimi, and Ryoga. Gin. Oh, Gin. I'm sorry. Yeah. Silver. Sorry, I'm I'm thirsty now. I've been thinking about that. I know, right? <laughs> I think the problem here. I'm telling you, you know, we'll get together on a Friday night. We'll just make it happen. Uh-huh. Uh, tell me about some interesting talents that you have, and are there any that you can share with us here today? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I do a great, great riff job of uh, Pat Gray Unleashed every day uh, in the Blaze uh, TV control room. Well, oh. you guys are, you know, when, you're in there. You know what we're gonna say. Sure. Okay. Or I just mock what you say. Oh, you just mock what we say. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that might be fun to put a camera in there sometime. Or I'm, or you know, like with the lower thirds, I just mock just whatever's going on there. Just do it there. Okay. But I do it throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've thought about recording it, but yeah. I thought eh, maybe not. That takes too much work. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you're a, you're a big time pool player, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Are you actually, good? Uh, you yeah. ever you ever won money Are you, playing pool? No, <laughs> no, I got close though. Uh, but I entered a pool tournament, and I lost without ever being able to take a shot. Well, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Yeah, I was very disappointed. And I was already drinking, so I didn't really care all that much. But at the same time, I'm thinking, how did I lose without ever getting to take a shot? So wait, that- so did, were you playing some guy who just ran the table then, or no? I, I was playing a guy who managed to hit the eight ball in the pocket on the break. Wow. It's called an eight on the break. I did I did not know about that rule until that moment. I didn't either until this moment. So if the eight ball goes in, if you sink the eight ball, I on, thought that you lost. Nope. But if it's on the first shot, that that's uh, if that's you where do you it win. on the break. Yeah, you wow. win. Grand prize was like twenty five hundred bucks, and I'm thinking, well, you know, even if I place third, because there was only about six people going for it, I'm, uh-huh. I'm thinking I still walk out of here with a couple hundred bucks. How much did you put into the tournament? Oh, it was only five dollar entry fee, so okay. no big deal. Still, but at the same time, I mean, it just stinks, man. Yeah, you know, it was the first match of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Everybody's you know hovering around watching, and you're the and you're the chump that gets eliminated. Without ever getting to take a shot. That's not cool. I don't like that rule. Yeah. Unless it happens to me and I knock the eight ball in. Now, a few buddies of mine and I, for, uh, for years, uh, don't do it so much anymore since people have moved away and everything. We used to get together every Tuesday night mm-hmm. at Buffalo Wild Wings. They had 49-cent wings, $2 crown and down. Mm-hmm. So we're pre-gaming at that place. Mm-hmm. You know, get the you get the wings, you get the, the $2 crown and down. So a handful of Jack and Cokes later... We make our way down to a pool hall in Euless on the skid mark of DFW called Pockets. Okay. Tuesday night was service industry night. Well, buddy of mine happened to be a waiter. Aha. Uh-huh. So, free pool. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and to, they, they also had their own beer specials where it was like $2 Bud Light and domestics or whatever. So Okay. You yeah, know, a good time. Spend till last call playing Playing pool. Okay. You do that every Tuesday. You get pretty darn good. All right. Well, yeah. Let's see. You play three musical instruments. Which are the three? Trumpet, trombone, and tuba. 
Did you grow up playing in the in like a high school band or something like that? Middle school and high school uh-huh. uh, played trombone. Uh, that's what it, my primary instrument, the one that I actually learned to know how to play on. Uh, the trumpet and tuba and euphonium, I just kind of picked up along the along the way because I have friends that played all three of them. So, do you still have the opportunity to play these instruments ever? The trombone, yes. Uh, trumpet, if I wanted to go buy one, I could, uh-huh. but I f- don't feel the need to. Where do you play the trombone? Uh, if I wanted to, play it at home. Just I, for the fun of it? Uh, yeah, just put a put, uh, put a mute in so it doesn't uh, blare throughout the entire house and annoy everybody because <laughs> skills are greatly diminished even though I still know how to play it. I can still read the music, still know the notes and everything. Um, I, I, I can say that uh, it wouldn't be great listening at first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you give me a couple hours, I'll be right back to it. Right. Uh, but yeah, did the, did the marching band thing through high school. Um uh, I was not the most musically inclined student, not the best marcher. <laughs> uh, my sister was the she was the better student all through school. She was the better band member. She actually she followed in the footsteps and played trombone as well. She was the much better horn player. Uh, the band directors dreaded having her come through the system, thinking that she was going to be just like me, if not worse. Uh-huh. Then they were completely blown away that oh my goodness, she's 180 degrees from her brother. Which is basically how she was told to lead, live her life growing up. See what your brother's doing? Yeah, do the exact opposite of that. Okay? <laughs> you do the exact opposite, you'll be okay. She was a presidential scholar, you know, honor, honor roll, National Honor Society. Oh, boy. Uh, I skated by all my looks. <laughs> okay. All right. So your legal name is not your birth name. You want to tell us Correct. about that? Are you on the lamb? Are we hiding out? Yes, What's going yes. On here? Uh, I have uh, I have assumed the identity of uh, one Robert Baraski. I mean, I would have thought you would have gone with a simpler name, like if no. you were making up something. No, no, like like, like what? Malinak. Malinak. Yeah, that's an easy one. That one rolls right off the tongue. No, I, I was uh, born with uh, my father's last name. Okay, and about the age of ten, had it legally changed to match that of my mother's maiden name. Okay, uh, when they sure. when they split up and everything, the father unit did not want to be a part of my life, and okay. so I said, "Hey, sure. you don't want to be a part of mine. I don't want anything to do with you either." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Absolutely. Uh, which I mean, you know, that happens to you know so many families out yeah. there, but at the same time, you know. I was at that age where I can make that decision, mm-hmm. and I actually had to go before a judge and say, yes, this is what I want. No, wow. I'm not being coerced. No, you know, my mother's not forcing me to do this. You know, and I said straight up, I said, he wants nothing to do with me. I want nothing to do with him. So when you did that, and you had to stand before the judge. Was that like in an office setting, or was that in a courtroom? It or? was in a courtroom. Wow. One of those, uh, you know, like a, you know, uh, county courtrooms. Yeah. And, you know, not not like one of those grandiose ones that you see on TV. Was a gavel involved? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's serious. That's big time. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of impressed. I mean, kind of ne- kind of nervous because you know, they're up there and you're way down here. And he's wearing a robe and whatnot. Exactly. Man. And they're asking, playing twenty questions with with you standing right there in front of them, uh-huh. and you have to, you know, you have to answer it. You can't have somebody coach you. No, you have to answer it, and it had to be convincing as if it was from you and not in somebody else's words. And I'm thinking, you don't know me. You don't know what I sound like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. okay. Uh, so 
you have plans to buy Poland someday, yeah. the nation of Poland. Yeah, when I when I when that? I hit it big. Yeah, when I, when I hit it big, uh, what, I'm just gonna go and buy Poland. Okay, all right. I mean, what is the uh, net worth of Poland? Do you know? Have you have you done your research? Oh no, because I mean, if you're on the market for a country, you should probably know when it's. Uh, I'm I'm GDP pretty sure is. that if I just walked in there with a huge stack of cash and said. I'm buying this place. They'd say okay. I, I mean, come on. They let Germany take over twice. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I won't tell you what their GDP is because it's kind of up there. Hmm. What's their GDP? Come on, hit me. Uh, five hundred twenty-four billion dollars. Oh, come on. I mean, so you're gonna have to uh, save up. I think. Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> didn't we see a Powerball that was right around that amount? Well, you know what? Ukraine might be uh, on the market at one hundred and twelve billion nah. GDP. No, you're nah. going. You're going for Poland. Yeah, okay. too much drama with Ukraine. Yeah, that's true. Fair point. I don't know. It was just a, on the list here that I Googled. I mean, at least with Poland, you know, I go in there, I buy it, and, you know, I just close the borders. <laughs> there you go. All right. I ask all of my guests, do you have a bucket list? And you want to travel to far off places. What are some places that you want to see around the world? Uh, Chernobyl. Okay. Uh, you should go with Stu. The, you know Stu would love to go on that trip. Where do you think Stu got the idea? Oh. <laughs> we even gave him the website. That's right. There is, uh, you can tour Chernobyl. Yep. Uh, uh, looks like a beautiful place. Bucket list things are just, you know, go and travel, see, uh, meet people that you've never, that you've wanted to meet, that you've never gotten a chance to see before. Going to Minnesota was a bucket, yeah. bucket list item. You went to Minnesota. Getting, getting to see Mystery Science Theater 3000 performed live. In person. With the original host. That's who, cool. Although he's 60, apparently is content with retiring. Getting to meet him because, you know, when I was a kid, I watched that on Comedy Central right, we and all sci-fi did, right? and everything and <laughs> totally enjoyed it. My uh, my wife bought, actually has the robots from the show. Nice. She has a fully functioning Crow T-Robot and a fully functioning Tom Servo. Oh, how, what know, do you mean that they're fully functioning? Like, how do you control them? Fully functioning puppets. Oh. So there's the all the levers and the pulleys and the strings that that's go, cool. You know that you that they used on the show. That's super cool. Built by a guy who built the props for the show. Wow. So that's awesome. Best eBay purchase ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I do not like eBay for a whole lot of things, mm -hmm. but that that was definitely the best eBay purchase ever. But getting to meet the original host in a via, in a meet and greet session. You know, the guy was really humble, and he was really, uh, really giving giving with his time. Mm -hmm. He was polite and courteous. He, you know, when when you were going to get your photos taken, it wasn't an assembly line where, okay, here, you know, okay, you go stand there, stand there, okay, click, okay, you're done. But next, he would walk over, mm -hmm. shake your hand, and you know, and oh, cool. get your name, I introduce, like and the, then the cast would introduce themselves and and make sure that they got your name. And they would actually be able to retain it through the photo <laughs> process. How great. How great. So, I mean, we only have, what, maybe 80 years on this earth, mm -hmm. you know, as a cumulative lifespan. But if you listen to, you know, everybody, all the wackos out there, you know, we have 10 years. We have seven years. We have whatever. You know, you just want to go out and do, do the things that you want to do. So, yeah. you know, going out and travel, buying Poland would be a bucket list yeah. item once would I Would you let I'm me visit yeah. if, if you bought Poland? Because oh, I yeah. kind of want to see it. You know, uh, you know be like, hey, uh, just shoot me a text, you know, send you me an email. See what you've done with the place. Yeah. yeah. I'll, give <laughs> you, I'll give you a little time to fix it up. I wouldn't do much. It would just be, oh. hey, I own it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'd live there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll visit every now and then. Exactly. You want to skydive, right? Yeah. I think it'd be fun. Hmm. Though I'm not 100% sure uh, hmm. I'm, that might be a later in life type thing. 
So that way, if the chute doesn't open, I'm okay with it. I don't know. That seems more risky than my bucket list, if you will. I would like to go in a hot air balloon, but I don't know which is more risky. You know, jumping out of a plane and racing toward the earth like a bullet, hoping a parachute opens, or rising up and hope that the hot air... Uh, keeps you aloft. Uh, what do you think? Well, depending on depending on how high you go up in that that hot air balloon, you're probably probably safer doing that. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking jumping out of a perfectly good airplane <laughs> for no other reason but to thrill seek. Eh, you're kind of dumb at that point. But hey, you know if if the chute doesn't open, hopefully I've lived life to that point where I'm okay with it. So. I just Googled because I wanted to see what the comparison would be. All right. So um, remember this. 21 people died in the United States in a hot air balloon-related accidents between 2000 and 2016. Okay, so that's 16 years, 21 people. Okay, so here we go. So skydiving, um, deaths per year, United States. So that one is, wow. So what was our number? 21 over 16? 21 over 16. Yeah, it's typically in the teens or low 20s every year. So yeah. skydiving considerably more risky. Now, about 20 times more risky. Now, see, I want to go through... I, I, I want to disseminate that data. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see how many of these were like your first solo, yeah. people being stupid. Uh, I, I'd be okay skydiving because in order to be able to skydive by yourself... You're supposed to go through training and, cl- and these classes, and you're supposed to do, like, two or three jumps with an instructor. Like, once, like, at least one time where the where you are strapped to the instructor. Mm. See, I, I would go through that one. Yeah, because I'd do something wrong. And say, okay, I'm good. Yeah, uh, that, I, I would me, say that counts. Yeah, I, sk- that I skydived. Absolutely. Whether I have the instructor or not, that is non-consequential. Yeah, I agree completely. I still jumped out of a plane. Jumped out of a perfectly good plane. Perfectly good plane, yeah. <laughs> For nothing but a thrill. I would be the guy. I'm so accident prone. I'd be the guy that jumps out and like I'm just pulling on something. Like exactly. a strap that is nothing. Yeah. And I, all the way down, I'm just going to keep... I'm going to keep telling myself, nope, this is right, this is right. And meanwhile, the, the actual strap is just dangling there, probably hitting me in the face and the helmet, and I'm just ignoring it. That, that, that's how I would go. Pull the red, pull the red. Yeah. Oh, b- blue, crap. Yeah. And that's just it. If I am hurtling toward the earth at God knows what speed, yeah. I'm probably going to forget what my colors are. What's red and what's blue and all that good stuff. Well, if they said left or right, yeah, I mean, Nikki is, is she honestly cannot tell her left from her right a lot of times. Oh wow! So she would think that oh, mm-hmm. pull the left one. She and what happens if you pull the wrong one? Do you, do you just go oh now I pull the other one, or or, or does that one don't pull the wrong one or else you what go faster toward the earth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because the backup's not going to work if right. the primary is you know isn't engaged first. Oh. <laughs> What is it? Not the same size? Yeah. <laughs> is it different? Yeah, that, there's just too many, uh, too many questions that I would be having on the way down that it would not turn out so well. I also want to get jump in one of those uh, NASCAR stock cars, a, ra- a race car, and just drive it around. Yeah. Okay. And I know you could do that at several racetracks around the country. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. If you do that, uh, you're going to live stream it. Oh yeah. Nice. I'm, I will totally put a GoPro on on that <laughs> helmet, and I will totally go and do it that just for awesome. the heck of it. Now, now one thing that we are going to have to do, I, and I tweeted this out. Don't think you ever noticed it, or actually, maybe you did. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway has opened up a cart track with 
like a go karting track, but not. Oh like, yeah, we're gonna do that. But not like your. Yeah. But not the putt putt go karts that go maybe five ten miles an hour. No, these babies go like fifty plus. Oh, let's do this. Yeah. Let's do this, and let's definitely record it. And, and we sure said, we uh, I said, make sure Jedi Master Martin comes along. Yep. As I said, if you got, if you guys don't, you guys are cowards. Oh, I, I think I commented under that. I said, oh, I'm there. Yeah, let's get that set up. How much does that cost? Don't know yet. They haven't, they haven't announced the pricing oh, okay. mainly because the track isn't open yet. But they're like putting on. Oh, there's going to be a the waiting list. You know, there'll be a waiting list. Oh no, they'll have that open year round. So mm-hmm. you know, you just go out there. Uh, you know, go out there one day after the show. Mm-hmm. That way, it's during the week and nobody's there. It's <laughs> definitely get there before su- before summertime. I like it. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. All right. Anything I missed here? Anything else we need to cover? Uh, Rob Borowski. Uh, he's TV's Rob down the hall. He's the guy who puts up the fun graphics and the images during Pat Gray Unleashed on Blaze TV. Uh, basically, what he's saying is jack of all trades, master of some. All right. Well, thanks so much for spending time. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Anytime. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect. 